And now, it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Thank you for making us part of your day. Uh, you know what, Ben? I, I've discovered about our conversations before we jump on the air. We we basically solve everybody's problems. We certainly think we do. <laughs> we basically know it all. You know what the world needs? More people show. like us. Yeah, seriously. We were just talking about advertising yeah, before we jumped I on. Nothing about. Going to jump into the ad game. When I offered my thoughts, I had opinions to offer. My uh, my wife worked for an ad agency here in town for a while. Yeah? Yeah. Did she like him? Uh, well, yeah, because she eventually had, like, the coolest job ever. Like, I could work in advertising if I were a media buyer. Yes, please. What was her job? Media buyer. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. You, you yeah. get handed a giant budget yeah. of someone else's money and said, hey, go out and, go out and spend this. And the good news is, is the media companies will lavish gifts upon you to get your attention. <laughs> right. Right. Not a bad biz. Oh, man. But, yeah, she liked it. Yeah. Why'd she leave? Uh, law school. Why'd she leave? <laughs> Why'd she go to law school? Uh, Better opportunity? She, I think she liked the ad game, but I think... Uh, okay. Loved law school. <laughs> I think she, she had a different plan. Okay. Which is working out pretty well. Good. For the most part. Good to execute a plan. It is good to execute a plan. But now she's very uh, busy and important. Wow. Way more so than me, anyway. Yeah, you and I are a little bit busy and completely unimportant. Completely uh, unimportant. We're absolutely superfluous, I'll say that. We're unnecessary. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's not real good for And I'm not saying we're important but, yeah. either, but we're absolutely unnecessary. And I think you and I both have found a comfort in, in uh, being unneeded. And replace, replaceable. Okay. <laughs> There's a comfort in that? Yeah, for me. Okay, good. Good. Well, let's not tell anybody else how replaceable we are, huh? Let's not, let's not bring that up, you know, on the radio. Bosses aren't listening this early? No. Our bosses don't get up What do you mean 11? this early? It's 10. <laughs> if I was the CEO, I'm, I don't have the radio on yet. <laughs> 10.30 at the earliest. <laughs> Oh, man. I know TG, DJ and PK. TJ. DJ and PK are going to be fine. I know that show works. I know it's good. I don't need to listen to that show. I know it's consistent and it delivers. And then I'm going to give Ben and Jake about a half an hour before I wake up to, to do anything to see if the show's any good. Quick plug for those guys. Uh, we're going to talk a little college football a little later on in the show. Some big picture stuff. But, man, Tim Brando was good with David and Pat. He's always good when he comes on with those guys. But uh, he was terrific today. Uh, and the, you can find that in podcast form. Uh, just search out DJ and PK. But uh, it was it was certainly worth uh, a listen. Did you enjoy the championship game last night? Ben? I did. I loved it. Uh, the Jazz game ended a little bit early, so we had a chance to turn on basically the entire second half of the college football championship game, which luckily was the good half. The first half was all field goals. It was extremely boring. And then there was a bunch of scoring late, at least a bunch of scoring from Georgia late. I did see the uh, Alabama touchdown as well. But uh, it was a very fun game. It was unexpected. I, like most people, thought uh, Nick Saban in Alabama was going to find a way to get it done. But good for Georgia. That was extremely exciting. Some good underdog stories there. Unfortunately, a couple of serious injuries for important Alabama players certainly aided them. But 
That's fun. We we crowned a champion. That's what you want out of the college football playoff. Now, you know, ironically, maybe these would have been the same two teams that would have played in the championship even if we didn't do the playoff this year. But I, I, th- I feel like Georgia deserved it. Georgia went out there and beat the teams they needed to, beat some of the top teams in the country, even though they didn't during the regular season. And uh, and and earned the victory, and it was it was a fun college football season overall. And a tip of the cap that I never do this to college football, especially the people running college football, because I think they're corrupt. But a tip of the cap for them for finding a way to get this season done relatively safely. Um, I thought it was an extremely exciting game. Yeah, the second half was fun. You're right. I was I hardly watched the first half because yeah. we were you know working. Uh, so I I. Didn't have to go back and uh, catch that on the DVR, which was nice. And um, I got home really for the fourth quarter, and that was the best quarter to watch. But you know what? Stetson Bennett, and what a great story. You know, kind of Incredible a nobody story. kid, uh, a three-star recruit to end up at Georgia. All the other quarterbacks that are on that roster around him, including JT Daniels from USC. I mean, all of these guys that they have had historically – uh, that went there specifically to win national titles and couldn't do it at Georgia. That, of course, the underside, I mean, he's six feet tall and he looks six feet tall. Yeah, he, he looks does. tiny. Uh, goes out there and gets the win. Was very emotional late in the game. It was fun. It was very exciting. It was, uh, it was exactly what I think you want. And what is the last remaining kind of magic about college football? Because a lot of it's been corrupted, touched by money, touched by power, being wielded by people who don't have college football's best interest in mind other than the financial gains out of it. And there are still those types of magic stories that are fun. I am, uh, I'm glad you brought up his story because we, we saw a similar story here at the University of Utah with Cam Rising. Not quite to the extreme, I suppose. Uh, but I, I think a lot of fo- college football fans out there think of like the video game, you know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, well, I can bring in this quarterback. Yeah. And, and yep. true, the quarterback I have is pretty good, but I can – this guy is way better. So you just plug and play and there's you know no emotion involved or whatever. But imagine if you are Cam Rising or, uh, or this kid from Georgia. Remind me the name, Ben. Stetson somehow, Bennett. Somehow I don't have it in front of me. Stetson Bennett. Imagine sitting in that quarterback room. As coaches bring in quarterback after quarterback, and you're looking around like, "Hey, hey, yeah, I'm right. I'm right. here. I'm here. I've been working. I've been trying real hard. Right. I spent a whole season in the uh, in the coaches booth with you, Coach Ludd. I'm here. What's going on? Why why all these guys coming in? And then they battle through that. Probably learn from it. Get their opportunity to show like, hey, maybe the dimensions or whatever." Uh, aren't the same, or maybe I haven't thrown for however many thousand yards down at Baylor or whatever, but give me a, a chance to go out there, and all they do is go out there and overcome and win games. It's awesome. It's a great story. We talk about persevering, waiting things out. So Bennett walked on to Georgia originally as a freshman, got replaced by Justin Fields, obviously, because Justin Fields was Justin Fields and it was a first-round draft pick. Right. Remember, Justin Fields went to Georgia, actually didn't end up playing at Georgia, right? Transferred to Ohio State. Stetson transferred to Jones Community College. I mean, just a tiny little nothing school, Jones County Junior College. Played there, was going to transfer to Louisiana. Georgia called him up and said, hey, Justin Fields has transferred. We need a backup quarterback to come in. He walks in as a backup again at Georgia 
ends up winning the starting job after Jake Fromm leaves and wins a national championship two years ago. He was at, what was the school I said? Jones County Junior College two years ago, Jake, and uh, is winning a national championship over Nick Saban in Alabama. And awesome. College football royalty is going to go to the College Football Hall of Fame. You win MVP of the College Football pl- uh, Championship game. You go to the College Football Hall of Fame, most likely. At least you're going to be kind of a member. You know, you're, you're not a Heisman guy, but you're a member of an elite group. So that's a very cool story. And again, we've talked about celebrating those fun yeah. stories, the Cam Risings of the world, who, yes, was a four-star recruit. Yes, went to Texas originally. Yes, still transferred to find a better opportunity. Some of the things we frown upon for kids, but did get, you know, the Utes tried to replace him twice. He still ended up uh, winning the job and has put the Utes in a great spot going into next season. And they had a terrific year this year. How many beers will Stetson Bennett buy <laughs> oh, in, in the Georgia? state of Georgia for the rest of his days? I mean, they're going to be totally, if he demands to buy, like, if he's out on a date. And he's going to be like, look, I want to be the guy who's buying the drinks tonight. Uh-huh. Like, I'm showing off. And even then, they're going to be like servers who are like, sir, your, your money's no good here. We're not taking that money. <laughs> That's the reason me. the restaurants are Italian. Yeah. But yeah, they're, <laughs> they're not going to mm, let him Delicious pay. Italian, Italian beer. Italian, <laughs> a Peroni. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. Wow, this is a weird. Uh, good uh, for you're the one who asked how many beers he's buying. Uh, None. So no, good no, no. For but him. the point is, Correct. the point is, is the oh, dude is a, now a legend. He's a legend. He can just. Post up in that state and probably do nothing for the rest of his days and make a fine living. Yeah. Is he a senior or is he a junior? He's a senior. It's unfortunate because I would love for him to come back next year and cash in on some of that that so they can like this money because I don't know if he's he's not going to the NFL. What to come back next year so that Georgia can re- recruit over top of him again? Well, yeah, but someone gives him a million bucks. You know, hopefully somebody gives him a bunch of cash. Hopefully he's got Just a weird behind red shirt Jackson year. Dart. I hope he has a red shirt year that he can come back and play. But it looks like he's been in college football for five years. So that's probably not true. I hope he can come back and play again next year. Well, four years, it's now, what? what is it, uh, five years to play? Or uh, what is it, four years to, in five now, right? You have to play four years in five years with the red shirt? I'm not saying that right. But uh, with six now with COVID, right? So he might have another one. He does have another year of eligibility because of COVID. Yeah. You're right. So hopefully he comes back and makes a bunch of money off of this last season and never goes to the NFL and ends up as an accountant drinking other people's beer. But Nick Saban lost. Ben, did you watch any of the other ESPN telecasts? I didn't. I only had the one up. I only had the main the main broadcast on. I didn't realize Jimbo Fisher's accent was southern accent was so heavy. Huh. Because they had the Texas A&M room, which I only watched for a moment because I couldn't understand a word he was saying. I was like, I'm sure whatever you're saying right now is incredibly interesting. But I, I mean, and I grew up around Southern accents, but I, I could not understand what that man was saying. <laughs> the, the coach's feed was pretty interesting. That's always interesting. That's always interesting. Kalani did it a couple of years ago. No, it's a, it's a fascinating insight to how people watch the game. How coaches watch the game, what you know, how they can step away from it, is, I think is always fun too, because obviously they're so engaged. I mean, even Kirby Smart, the interception then being the pick six to win the game. I mean, he's running with the cornerback, telling him to get down. It's like this guy's going to run for a pick six at the highest moment in his life and be the and star. You're telling him to get you're down, him to get, like you da- you never stop coaching. Even at that point, when the game is decided, you're saying like the smart move is to take a knee here, yeah. you know, and and you know, the, the coaching down. never get you never leave that. And then you see the guys who are on the broadcast, and they're clearly just kind of relaxing a little bit, having a good time, and uh, 
They stop worrying about it. I'm so glad that he ran through that stop sign. Get down. Yeah. It's the biggest Absolutely. moment of his life. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> he should have stiff-armed Kirby. <laughs> Get out of here, coach. Out. I'm running out of this. I'm running right to the NFL, coach. I am about to have a pick six to seal the game in the national championship game. Out of the way. Very exciting game. Felt bad for Bryce Young. You know, that's a tough way to lose. Because that was a really bad pass. Wouldn't surprise me if that had to be on the receiver in some way, shape, or form. It was such a bad pass, yeah. but uh, it was so underthrown. Well, I mean, it was probably on the D-line or the O-line, if you want to say that. I mean, yeah. the, Georgia was getting pressure throughout the entire second half. Well, that I mean, defense, Bryce Young was getting slammed all game long. And that defense is is pretty amazing. And also, who was able to, to run the ball? Even though Georgia, curiously, didn't have a ton of attempts... They only had 30 attempts for well, the game. How many plays did they run? Oh, that's true. We could look I mean, they may have run play. like 55 plays. It was crazy. They, they hardly ran. Right. I mean, they, they, they were a lot of big plays, a lot of P.I. <laughs> it's kind of their go-to play. But yeah, they're just were not, they did not run a whole lot of plays in total, and they still found a way to win that game. And Alabama couldn't run the ball really at all, which is amazing. Yeah. But it was fun. No, and I, you know, I thought Alabama got the ball back down eight. I thought, like everyone, they were going to run down the field and, 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 you know, score and tie this thing up, and we we're going to go to overtime at least. Uh, but no, Georgia got the big takeaways. We talked about the pick six and, and wrapped it up. And, and it was a fun playoff. I, you know, unfortunately, the playoff games weren't better. Uh, Georgia spanked Michigan. Alabama, of course, crushed Cincinnati. But this was a pretty good national championship game. And I think you probably feel good of saying those were the two best teams that were left at the end of the year. Agreed. But. Interestingly enough, I bet if the BCS were around, it would have been those two teams. Probably would have been those two teams. I guess it could have been Michigan-Alabama because Michigan beat Ohio State. Right. But no, I think those are the right teams to play. I think that ended up looking fun. Man, the SEC. It's dominant. And rightfully so. Again, I was I was doing the stupid thing last night. I just pulled up a 2022 NFL mock draft. Seven guys, and maybe five guys from that game are projected to go in the first round. Two D-linemen from Georgia. Alabama... Linebackers, you know, I mean, it's just like it's it's ever or the Alabama's left tackles top three pick. It's just it's the best football players in the world. It's fun to watch them play at that level, and the game was executed at that level and coached at that level, and it was it was enjoyable. You had a Heisman winner out there, and with uh, NIL, the rich are just going to get richer, and these teams are just going to be better and better. Oh, and my takeaway last night was like everyone's laughing at Nick Saban. It's like, well, he's back in the lab today, figuring out a way to turn the superpower into a you know. Super, superpower. He's just going to go crazier, and they're going to win the national title next year because Bryce Young comes back, and they're going to be super talented. And Yeah, they lose their left tackle, but they reload. They're, they always have a top five left tackle. Did you see, uh, and, and it went viral, I'm sure you did, Bill O'Brien's little meltdown? No, because that, that was they, early in the game. That they caught on camera? Yeah, it was early in the game. But I did, I could not help but think of our conversation on and off the air yesterday about Saban has really found a way to pick up these damaged goods coaches and just treat them like garbage. And they rebuild their career, but he gets to... Treat them as poorly as he, he wants to. He gets to treat them as poorly as he wants to. So Bill O'Brien, and if you can find it online, I'd be curious to your opinion. I mean, he's just having a meltdown. Up in the booth. Up in the booth about something. Like he is screaming and his his gestures yeah. Are, yeah. are animated. And I thought about that. Our conversation was like, there is a dude who's wound real twi- tight because he's been just treated like garbage. Yeah, that's the thing. Here's the thing. He's frustrated and yelling because he knows he's going to get that from Nick yes. after the game. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Saban is brilliant. I'm going to pick up these good coaches that right. are damaged goods for one reason or another. 
I'm going to tell them. I'm going to say, hey, listen, I'm going to rebuild your career because we're going to win here and you're a good coach and I'm going to put your services where they're needed the most, but I'm going to treat you like crap. So two years with me, you're going to hate it, but you're going to be the next head coach at Texas. Did you see Bill O'Brien was yelling at fans on his way into the tunnel after the game as well because he was getting heckled? (laughs) That's a guy. pointing at fans and yelling back (laughs) at him. Okay. That's a guy who's wound too tight because Nick has been unbearable. Lane Kiffin elected not to coach in a national championship game. Yeah. Because he couldn't wait to leave. Yeah. Yeah, Bill was... <laughs> Good for Nick Saban. I like Nick Saban. I know people hate Nick Saban. I know that's a pretty unpopular opinion. I really like Nick Saban. I don't know if he's a good guy. We don't really know about a bunch no. of issues of him off the field. He doesn't get in trouble. He runs his dirty program cleanly. You know, like, he I, was cheating the right way, the way everyone else was cheating. The way kids were getting paid was probably the way everyone else was, but he was doing it at a very good level. He seems like he's a relatively normal, not normal guy, but he seems like he's trying his hardest to win games, and he wins games, and, you know, it lives up to the expectation, and he doesn't seem like he's abusing players, hard on players. He seems to care about his kids. I like Nick Saban, but, yeah, it is funny that he can go after his coaches like that. I've liked him more with time because most... Like most head coaches, as they, you know, uberly successful head coaches, as they get older and become less accountable to anyone or anything, I feel like it could go one way or another. Like the Like the Bob Knight way, yes. where it's just like I'm dark and kids. it's not, yes. yeah, it's not really good. Or it can go the Steve Spurrier way, where in every press conference they're cracking jokes and just telling you how it is. Right. Like I think wits. Evolution has been great because he's more spurrier. He's, he's more spurrier, and he's become like more of a gentle human. Correct. I think he has grandkids. I honestly his think grandkids. that was a big thing in his life. And he's just been the intensity is a little bit less, and he's a little bit more relaxed. You know, he doesn't have anything to prove anymore, right? I'm exactly. sure he. I'm sure he feels like he does. I'm sure he still wants to win a Rose Bowl and prove that he can do it. But yeah, you've well, won Coach of the Year. You've won a Sugar Bowl. You've been. You've won the Pac-12. You're going to the College Football Hall of Fame. You have millions of dollars. You have a beautiful family. Your kids have all gone to school and got jobs elsewhere. Like you've accomplished. You've won. Like Wit has won. He's done everything he needs to. But you're right. The nice thing is he didn't let that turn him into a, a bad person. No, it let him turn I mean, into a, like a, an easier person. What's Mark Harlan going to do? Fire Wit? I mean, wit, what could right. Wit do to get fired right. at this point? And I'm sure he angled for power. I'm sure he angled for leverage at different times because he didn't want to lose his job, and nobody ever does. Uh, but good for him when he got that leverage and he got that power, which he holds the biggest stick of anyone at the University of Utah right now. He doesn't do it to abuse people. He really takes Not care all. of his kids, Correct. takes care of his coaches, takes care yep. of his people. So I'm with you. And I don't I think it's funny that Saban goes after Bill O'Brien and Lane Kiffin and Sark and then hammers some of those guys. I'm sure absolutely annihilates those guys behind the scenes. And I'm sure he's hard on his kids too, but you don't hear a lot of horror stories about him from players who leave. And I think that's a good sign. No, it's all when his, you have that much power. All his former players seem to love him. Yeah. So that's a good but, sign. But so I don't see, have any problem with him. And I'm also happy to see other people like his protégés, like Kirby, go out and get a win as well. The problem, though, with that is all his former players seem to like him, which is true about Saban. But that was also true about Urban Meyer because all the really good players who remain relevant all love yes, Urban Meyer. all the Meyer. people we talked to yeah. like Urban because the, all those people went to the NFL. The, the barely scholarshiped trying to play his way through the practice squad guy yeah. probably has a, a 
very vastly different opinion. Oh, yeah. The center for the Utah football team, number 63, will not name him, but was not a fan of <laughs> Urban not. Meyer. And Urban went to his living room and recruited him, but did not like Urban Meyer. You know, he was, he was Urban Meyer's top recruit one year. <laughs> but talk to Morgan Skelly. Yeah. Loved Should, him. Oh, John Madsen? Loved him. Loves Urban. Can call Urban. Will call Urban. Right. You know. Yeah, you want tickets to the Jaguars? Not anymore, but yeah, come down. We'll get you on the we'll get you on the side of the field. Easy there, Ben. Bringing it back to Saban for a second, though, because okay. we did get on to Urban. Saban might from like he might be the most savvy guy to navigate the college football coaching world ever. Oh, sure. In an increasingly increasingly complex time. I mean, think about it. He he was he had a lot of success at Michigan State. Which is has potential to be a really good program, but knew that LSU had more potential before the SEC and even, I guess they were dominant then too, but really asserted their dominance. Right? He he had the vision to to go down to LSU. He had the the dream to try the NFL, like Urban did. Yep. But unlike Urban, knew it wasn't going to work. And yeah, had to look bad in the newspaper for a little while by skipping out on his team. Yeah, but. It took one of the premier jobs in college football when it was at its lower moment, which yep. does not happen very often at the University of Alabama. See an opportunity to be like, hey, I can cement myself as a legend because any brainless moron can coach at Alabama. So imagine what I can do. Yeah. And he's he's still- been there for 15 years. You and know, dominated. Yeah, and dominated. And dominated. Yep. When, when has there ever been a program dominate college football for as long as Alabama has? It hasn't happened. Yeah. Michigan and Notre Dame in like the aughts <laughs> in 1905. Right. But yeah, in the and, modern era with this much competition. Well, even them, I don't think at the pace that Alabama has being, yeah. you know, how many national championships do they have now? We'd have to go back and count them. Yeah. I mean, Nick has eight, right? Total. Yeah. It's eight. Eight. <laughs> and one at LSU. So seven. Yeah. Yeah, Insane. I mean, it's it's crazy. The, those Miami teams of the '90s and early 2000s—that was like a, a oh, ten year. He only has seven national championships, so six with Alabama. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 incredible. It's really it's really incredible. And I wonder what happens when he decides to hang it up. Yeah, where do they go? Or is he going to be like Joe Pa and just coach until I he's ninety five? So I bet he doesn't. He's a little more Shashevsky than he is Joe Pa. And Krzyzewski coached a long time, too, but he's a little bit more, I think, that era, who will retire and try and hand the program off to the right spot. See, how much, does he, how much is he addicted to the spotlight? Because that's what keeps these coaches around forever. They're in love with themselves. Nine million dollars a year. They're in love with themselves. Probably loves that. And they love the attention. Yeah. been coaching since 1973. Hang it up. You're done. He's been a grad assistant since 73. He got his first coaching job in 1975 as a linebacker's coach at Kent State. I'm done. I'm over it. Calling it today? Me? I quit in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up next. Uh, we didn't lead with the Jazz today for a reason. Because, we have the top three stories, uh, and we will address the Jazz. Yeah. And then we're going to really hammer the Jazz coming up later. Really just hammer them. They deserve it. That's Ben's tease. All right, stay tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's your Jazz at 30 update here on Jake and Ben on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Here's Donovan Mitchell on what needs to change defensively with the team. we got to stay in front. Can't get back up. Get beat. Got to have help. Close out the shooters. Can't get up 20-something and, like, lose. Like, it's just not. We fooling ourselves if we say we're going to win a championship and we have a night like tonight. Past two nights, really. We just got to go out there and do it. Got to communicate. Got to have each other's back. We just got to do it. 
This update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Uh, refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with Five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. That's FiveStarPainting.com. Who's got it better than us? No! Your home for the best sports coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for your top three stories at KSLSports.com. Brought to you by our friends at J. Brooks Jewelers. Two locations for you. One there in Murray and then one uh, out there at Traverse Mountain. Go check them out. J. Brooks, J. Brooks. great. We'll take care of you. Absolutely. All right. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, Megan? Number one. Tomorrow night, the Jazz are back playing at home where they face the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, thank goodness there's another game because last night was eye-opening. And they may get smoked by Cleveland. Yeah, they need to see how quickly Rudy Gobert can come back. It might be dicey. He might be cleared of the protocols by tomorrow. And if they can get him back on the floor, the sooner the better. But my goodness, Jake, that loss last night, in a lot of ways you can say you didn't have Gobert, didn't have Rudy Gay, didn't have Joe Ingles, didn't have, you know, lots of players. You're, you're, you're shorthanded. Certainly you are. There's no question about that. You cannot take a 22-point lead in the second quarter against the Detroit Pistons, who aren't looking actively to win games, did not have their head coach out there. Or their best player. Or their best player in Jeremy Grant, and just give up straight-line drive after straight-line drive after straight-line drive to rookie, number one overall pick, but rookie, Cade Cunningham, and then just throw your arms up after the game and be like, we don't know what happened. Now, Donovan Mitchell there, you heard it at the Jazz at 30 update, said it. we got to be better without Rudy Gobert. Uh, you can't give up 20-point leads like that. That was... We talked about the Warriors game on New Year's Day needing to be a before and after for the Jazz. A clear, like, this was the team before. This was our focus level. We recognize it's not good enough after. We've got to make some changes, uh, whether it's your approach or to the roster. And you have to fix things that way. If the Warriors game wasn't a wake-up call, my goodness, I hope last night got everyone's attention because it is so obvious what the Jazz problems are. It is so clear. And honestly, if you're a Jazz fan, thank goodness Rudy Gobert's gotten hurt because he was hiding all those mistakes. He was a great, great, great big rug that you could sweep all the dust under and hide it, but that mess was not cleaned up. And right now, without that rug that is Rudy Gobert, you recognize this team is seriously flawed. Seriously flawed. They can't guard anybody. Um, which Morris twin was it? Marcus? Marcus. He was correct. He, it, it's so good he said that. Again, if you want to go back at the end of the season, let's say the Jazz end up making a deep playoff run because they make some changes and start looking like a real team on the defensive end of the ball. Thank goodness Marcus Morris put it into the universe. And then the Jazz went out and proved Marcus Morris right because he said none of those guys can guard other than Rudy Gobert. All they do is funnel to Gobert, and he's an incredibly good player, and he covers up a lot of those mistakes. But we know who they are, and none of them can guard, and he's exactly right. And look, I think some of it's the scheme. 
Some of it is what Quinn yeah. Snyder has designed to push everyone towards Rudy Gobert, which is fine. You have a great offensive player, you push the ball towards them. You have a Steph Curry, you push the ball to make sure he gets open three-point shots. It makes sense. It's what you do as a good coach. You put the team in a situation to funnel guys to Rudy Gobert, and Rudy Gobert helps you win games. But the rest of it has to get fixed. It can't be. I mean, Royce O'Neal watched Cade Cunningham dribble into layups four times in the second half when you needed a stop and couldn't stay in front of him at all. And then the Jazz tried to double-team him, and he just split the double-team. There was just absolutely not enough talent on the floor defensively. And that's not just Royce and Boyan. It's Jordan Clarkson. It's Donovan Mitchell. It's everybody that was out there is not good enough to play defense against the the best players in the world. And if you're not going to be that, if you're not going to be good enough defensively to defend those players, you got no hopes of winning a championship. And you've got $150 million invested into this team right now to win a title. You've traded draft picks to win a title, and you don't have the pieces. So you either got to go get another piece to come in and fix it, and you got to sacrifice some of your offense to get the defense out there. But right now, as constituted, the Jazz are not close to winning a title with that defense. Not close. I would, I would agree with that. And I, you know, it was the Indiana game where the brain trust was actually there yep. at the game with Ryan Smith, Danny Ainge, and uh, and Justin Zanuck. So they saw that up close. And <clears throat> I, I think, I think the team knows it. To be honest with you, absolutely. I, mean, I listened to I listened to Joe Ingles with DJ and PK, yep. and in what he talks about, he's very real about it. But I think it almost feels like he thinks it's inevitable. I mean, even Jordan because Clarkson. of the reasons that that you're tar- talking about. Jordan Clarkson was asked about Eric Paschal and kind of the weird role that he's had on the roster, off the roster, you know, in the rotation, out of the rotation, then back in the rotation recently. And Jordan Clarkson's like, you know, I've been trading three times in the middle of the season in my career, and you could kind of even tell that like it's on his mind that he could be on the shopping block as well. The chopping block on the on you know could be being shopped as well. Mixing up two cliches there, but. You could move Jordan Clarkson. You could move Boyan Bogdanovich. You could move Joe Ingles. Like that, who other than Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell on this roster and Mike Conley would you really say is untouchable? Like you would trade one of those guys for the right deal to get defense back, and that's shocking. That's hard. That's going to hurt your culture for a little while. Now, if you get the right guy back, it's totally worth it. But these guys know that as a whole, with this much chemistry, that they're going the wrong direction compared to the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies who might jump them coming up later this week in the standings, and something's got to change. And the Jazz front office has to know it. Everyone on the team knows it because they're not playing well enough. And they knew it after the Golden State loss, and they couldn't fix it by themselves. Um, the defense was was the biggest problem, I suppose, last night. But there was another problem that should not go ignored. That I they think. don't pass? Correct. That they don't pass the ball? And in the second half, they just went right into no-pass mode. Yep. And Detroit helped that a little bit by playing the switchy defense, yep. but it, it it was really obvious and ineffective, by the way. Correct. So, I mean, that was a huge problem. Really, you know, the defense isn't a problem if you score 135 points, which you were on track to do. Right. And probably should have done, except for Detroit makes a minor adjustment that every other team in the league does to the Jazz. And they just go to pieces? And it's all true that the Jazz were missing major pieces. They were on the fifth game of a five-game road trip. The team had been ravaged by COVID. I'm sure it was an emotionally draining trip. Everybody had missed games on the trip. I think all of that is true, but both can be true. That there was a reason they lost that game because they were exhausted, and there was a reason they lost that game because they're not talented enough. And they should be. They should be talented enough with that type of money and the investment they made and the chemistry they have. The talent they have, they should be good enough, and they're not. So you got to make a change. All right, let's. Uh, well, let's move on. Why not? Number two. 
Georgia snaps 41-year title drought with 33-18 win over Bama. Jake, you were almost alive last time Georgia won a title. Not quite. The Herschel Walker. by a year. year. Did you think about that Thanks when they were for talking pointing about out last how, how old, old I am? Uh, we spent, uh, we're up against it, and we spent the whole first segment on this. Should we go to the? Should we move on to number three? No, we can talk about it for a second. We'll, we'll get back to it. We'll be quick. I thought it was a great game. I thought it was a fun game. I thought it was exactly, I think, what you want from a national championship game. Fun to be on Twitter during those games. Like That really is the great social enjoyment of, of, of sports. When everybody's watching one game, there's only one game on at that point. Even locally, the Jazz game was off, so all the local tweeters were talking about the, the football game. Everyone's watching. Everyone kind of has a common rooting interest. Everyone wanted to see Alabama go down. And they did. Never got to celebrate. It was a fun story for Georgia as well. I thought it was. I thought it was overall a very good college football season and, and fun to watch. The only thing I'll add is uh, I was impressed that Kirby Smart removed uh, the stick from his rear end and coached a more aggressive game because he has a reputation in big games of just shutting it down. And Georgia uh, proves once again that you can win with an unbelievable defense. Yep. For all the Ute fans out there that always clamor about how Utah needs to open it up and throw the ball more, the protect the defense thing at Utah has worked pretty well. And it's worked pretty well at Georgia, too. Number three. Utah, BYU, and Utah State create history in final AP top 25 poll of 2021 season. Cool to see all three of them ranked. Yeah, that's amazing. But you had two 10-win teams in Utah and BYU, and Utah State won 11 games. It was really an incredibly enjoyable college football season. Now, unfortunately, uh, unless you're a Utah State fan, you didn't win the final games of your season. And, you know, if Utah had won the Sugar Bowl, they would have finished with a seventh overall ranking, maybe even higher, maybe sixth. And that would have been one of the best seasons in Utah football history, and they fell just short of that. But really uh, an enjoyable if not difficult season for the University of Utah to watch BYU continuing the success without Zach Wilson, which I don't think a lot of people saw. I certainly didn't. was really fun. And then even better, I mean, all this momentum for all three of these schools just carries right into next year. Yep. I mean, there's nothing slowing these teams from being uh, absolutely tremendous next year and, and favored again to win 9, 10, 11 games. I have no idea the answer to this question, but how many states not named California, Florida, or Texas have ever had three D1 schools in the top mm-hmm. 25. Who would even be a candidate? Indiana, Notre Dame. I'm trying to think of like E&O. Indiana, maybe. If you it? had Notre like Dame, Purdue, and Indiana yeah. the same year, which is the likelihood of that. Yeah, I mean, Indiana's low. had one good year, you know, in, in 30 years. So maybe that was the case. But yeah, it's not, it's not a lot. Kansas has never been a good football team. But even that, you've got Kansas and Kansas State. Who would yeah, be the right. third? Right. No, there's not a lot. You're so right. that's pretty amazing. I mean, if you put it in that perspective, like Louisiana, maybe maybe Michigan, if you had Michigan, Michigan State and one of the directional Michigans yeah. one year. But yeah. the likelihood of that is probably pretty. No, low. you're right. It's really it's really thin uh, to have this much good football in our state is pretty absurd. Pretty nuts. Yeah. And let's not pretend that Weber State hasn't been a good program for a while now. Right. I mean, yeah, there's, Washington, Washington State. And there's just not really a lot out there. No, it's been great. It's been very enjoyable. We have very good college football here. And if you're a fan, it's easy to root, especially if you're kind of a, a casual fan who picks up all three teams and you know likes watching the games on Saturdays or Fridays or whenever they're playing. It's it's fun to be a college football fan in the state of Utah. And we get our tunnel vision and, and criticize or overly cr- critical on, on the teams that we cover and certainly the fans around here. But you've got to put things in perspective sometimes. The sports around here in general – 
are amazing. And, and it's, a, it's a terrific good time. Town. It's a good time to be here because despite earlier in the segment where we're talking about the Jazz, the Jazz are really good and play. Yeah, fun you're talking about how to get and, them from a great team to a championship contender. Yeah, you know, all three. D1 college football programs in the state are in the top 25. And BYU comes back next year ranked in the top 20. Utah State won't get enough love, but they should be a top 25 team. Utah's going to be a top 10 team in the preseason rankings next year. BYU's about to go into the best college basketball league yep. in the country. No. Maybe second best behind the ACC, but that might be my bias. But awesome. Yep. I mean, it's a good time. It's a good time to be Jake and Ben talking sports. And Megan. And Megan. It's always a good time to be Miracle Megan. We'll have uh, more coming up next. Want to remind you about, our, uh, about the Ford Fan Zone. All you can eat ticket to an upcoming game. Receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream. Starting slow as $30 a ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone. All you can eat tickets. Now, we'll have more next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. For some acapella. This music does not match the state of Utah Jazz at all. (laughs) Well, maybe it is. This is convinced people will be okay. I actually do think it's all right. Is this Rockapella? I don't know. What's Rockapella? You don't remember Rockapella? No. You never. like a genre of music? Are you that much younger than me? Uh, No. uh, Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? The the television show? They had Rockapella. You know what I'm talking about? Megan? I know what you're talking about. It's a band. Rockapella is a band. Yes. That's what I, all I said was, is that a band? And you didn't give me an answer. No, he asked me if I know Huey where Lewis. Carmen Sandiego is. No, nobody does, Jake. It's That's Huey, the whole thing. Huey Lewis did acapella? All right. You know who loves Huey Lewis? Uh, our friend, uh, Coach Gordy Chiesa. Oh, well, who doesn't love Huey Lewis? <laughs> Coach uh, Coach Bateman from American Psycho. Has excellent taste in music. Yeah, love, love. Love Gordy Chiesa. One so, of the great highlights of our life. Of course, it's all right with the jazz. Uh, it, that's that's what uh, that's what uh, Rudy tweeted out. Hey man, I, this is a blessing. You're you're very doom and gloom today. Uh, and usually, I told you, I've, I was in line getting food downstairs one time, and, and somebody around the organization came up and said, "Why are you so optimistic all the time?" And I can even take an optimistic hue of what's going on with the Jazz. There ain't no secrets about what's wrong with this team. Yeah, and that's but, a good thing. But what's new? The, what else is new? Yeah, exactly. well, here's the thing. I do think you were hoping, hey, you didn't really have Boyan in the first run against Denver and you lost. And you didn't have Mike Conley last year against the Clippers and you lost. And maybe if you get them back together and you get a couple of those pieces, you improve Derek Favors to Hassan Whiteside, who wasn't great last night for moments, but certainly you know can give you a really good 10 or 15 minutes a night. Rudy Gay's been up and down, and I think you hope his effort is really high in the playoffs and he can certainly give you something. And you were hoping that was enough. There's a real blessing that you're 40 games of the season and you've been exposed. Yeah, but who is, who is the perfect team, Ben? I mean, we've known all of this stuff forever, and all the stuff that you said right there could still be true. Phoenix is absolutely flawed. They were in the finals last yeah, year. Yeah, no, Phoenix is flawed. They're less flawed than the Jazz are. 
Maybe. And Golden State right now, who I was not a huge believer in, I do think are less flawed than the Jazz but right now. But Rudy has spent the whole season sitting down in the postgame and telling us all what is going on oh, exactly because right. he stands back there Correct. and watches Correct. his teammates get beat on every play, and he talks about it but all the time. Sometimes you can say it and say it and say it, and he can say it, but until everybody sees it with their eyes, it's just you. sometimes you have to see it to believe it. But the Jazz also have the ability to score 140 points. Correct. In which case, you don't need to guard. But you know what? It's not good enough. Maybe. I think they've recognized now it's not good enough. Well, Anyone who watches what happened last night and really what's kind of gone on since the new year, even though they've won games on the road, it's really easy to say for sure. I think there's enough proof now where you kind of suspected it. Marcus Morris said that was the case. Rudy said it was the case. Now you've seen it enough times that you have to know that as currently built, it's not good enough. You do not have a good enough product to win a championship. And if that's your goal, you have to put your money where your mouth is and you have to fix it. See, it could be good enough. It could have been good enough last year. I don't think so. Why not? Because we've seen it. Because you see it last night. No, but all what that stuff, all night? that circumstantial stuff you said, you talked about, yes, is real. I believe they do beat the Clippers last year if Michael Conley is healthy. Maybe. With these very same flaws. The, the bubble does not count. We should, we should no longer talk about it's that fine. Denver series ever again because it does not count. The, the flaws have been there for a long time, and the Jazz haven't gotten over the hump, but all that circumstantial stuff you're talking about is true. Sure. I still think you're foolish if you go into the postseason with this roster. Okay. With absolutely no fixes. I could, I could buy into that, sure. But that's a, that's a different ar- argument than it's not possible. Could they improve well, sure. their, their roster? Sure. They need bet. to improve their roster. If they want to honestly say they're doing the most they can to have the best chance to win a championship, they need to do more with this but roster. But this flaw is certainly nothing new. No, I agreed. I, and, I agree with you. We can say that it was exposed on this road trip because it got really bad. But it's no, it's no more true today than it was a month ago. I agree with that. But sometimes you need to collect a certain amount of data before you believe it Royce O'Neal has been the best perimeter defender on the team for three years now? He's We're right. He's not 45. He hasn't changed physically. No, but I think you're realizing more and more that he's not. Teams have figured out better ways to attack the Jazz, and that is the other part of it. Teams have scouted now more and more the Jazz on how to beat them and have exposed more ways to beat them. Because the Rockets beat them two years in a row with a switchy D. Sure. That's been true, too. Sure. But now it's even to the point where, yeah, just go downhill against the Jazz. I mean, the problem isn't just, that was the Jazz offense, and the Jazz fixed the offense by going out and getting Clarkson and Conley and Bogdanovich. They fixed the offense. Now teams have realized, hey, you can withstand the offense. This is how you beat them on defense. If they have to take the ball out of the basket, you can get back and set your defense and then get switchy and then you can beat them. But right now, just drive in a straight line to the rim and you'll cook the Jazz. Especially if Rudy Gobert's not out there. Now, if Rudy's out there, it covers up a lot of those mistakes. And that's the one thing we haven't been able to tell, even though we kind of knew it, but it was only in very small sections, 10, 15 minutes a game. But now we've had four games in a row where Rudy Gobert hasn't been out there, and you recognize he's the only thing that's keeping this defense together. And without him on the floor, they're awful, and you've got to fix that. But you- they have him on the team, and again, that's been true forever. So what's a bigger problem for the Jazz, that uh, the defense you're talking about, or their lack of ability to beat a switchy defense in their selfish play? Defense. Because I could make an argument that it's the other side. The defense. It's no question it's the defense. I don't think it's even close to the offense. Because you can look, Rudy Gobert, last three games, he's off the floor. They're the worst, they have the defense, worst yeah, defensive yeah. rating in the I got NBA. It. I got it. So I don't think that the numbers show it. It passes the eye test. 
the players were talking about it yesterday. Marcus Morris has said it like we talked about a lot. It's absolutely the defense. It's the problem with the defense. If the Jazz don't fix it, they can't win a title. And you're probably right. But they only scored, Ben, don't do math uh, on the air. That's not a good idea. But they only scored, what, 55 points in the second half? Yeah. You know, they scored 35 points in the first quarter when they passed. Right. And then Detroit goes to the switchy D and they just fall apart. Correct. I mean, and they were tired. Look, and there was reasons they lost the game. They don't have anything to do with just not having the talent on the floor. Fifth game of a five-game road trip. You heard it at halftime. The coach came out, who does the uh, the halftime interviews, uh, and said, "We cannot wait to get home. We just need to get home from this road trip." I mean, that was the mindset of the coaching staff. We just got to get home. You talk about Mike Wells. Mike Wells said, "We just got to get home. We just cannot. We got to get off the road." Like they, they are so beat up. They've lost so many bodies. They're emotionally drained. They're dealing with the pandemic just like everybody else is. And then they've been in two different countries in the last week. It's been really difficult for them, I'm sure. That's another reason why they lost. But there's just no way to honestly look at this team and diagnose it and not say that it's fatally flawed as is. See, fatally there, Ben. I don't know. That's the, I'm not coming along that far. I don't think there's a chance this team could win a title. Oh, I certainly do. Yeah, I don't think as as they're currently set up, there's any way they. Who's not flawed? Everyone's flawed. There's never there's never been a perfect basketball team, but the Jazz are flawed to a way that there's too many teams that can beat them. I don't think you'd say the same thing about Brooklyn, and they don't play any defense. Yeah, I don't know if Brooklyn's good enough to win a title. Yeah, are are they fatally flawed? Yeah, they might be. Yeah, because they don't play enough defense either. Now I don't watch them every night like I do the Jazz, but and I and it hasn't been the same team together for three years like the Jazz have been. That's the other problem. You've got so much data on this team now to see exactly what's wrong with them, and it's very clear now. And we just got more important data in the last few days without Rudy Gobert out there, which just hasn't been the case. He's missed four games in three years. We never knew what the team really looked like without him. We could see it in stretches of an individual game, but when you see him when he's actually not out there. The towel is gone. You see everything on full display, and the Jazz just don't have enough. Yeah. Oh, well, I get back to Rudy's been telling us about it for a while. Correct. Correct. And still, sometimes you have to see it. Players say a lot of things. Sometimes you got to see it. I mean, you know what Rudy needs to do is he always says we and that sort of stuff. He needs, just needs to start naming names. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't defend. You didn't stay <laughs> Man, in front of I your watched, guy. I watched Bogey get beat 12 times tonight. Because he's just watching it all. That's why he gets so frustrated, because yep. he's known this for a while, too. Yep. Again, I'd, I'm not sure this is anything all that new, but, but the nice it's thing is an issue. You know what you need to fix. Yeah, and it's not that easy. Yeah. Or they, well, I would about to say they would have done it by now, but that's how they designed this team. They wanted an offensive right. team. Right. That's what sure. they went out to do. Yes. They overcorrected because they were getting killed by the Houston Rockets because they didn't have enough offense to beat that team. They overcorrected to all offense, and that pendulum needs to swing back and towards defense. still have the same problem, that they can't beat the switchy D. Yeah. So adding all that offense kind of worked. Yeah. I mean, it made, it made you better. It got you closer to where you're trying to get to. Stay tuned. We're going to talk some college football coming up next. Tim Brando was on with DJ and PK, and uh, he had some interesting uh, thoughts about, well, BYU and the future of college football. We'll, we'll dive into it a little bit. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.